So here's the best part. I'll send you a screenshot. So it's a 50% deposit bonus. These are the recommended amounts. <laughs> I've seen nothing come through yet. Takes a while. Oh, here we go. You'll notice something remiss about these numbers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the first two are, are good. No, no 200. No 200. No, 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 no. You don't need 200. To get the $100, you should really deposit 250. Yeah. Or 500. It's good. Howdy, it's Tuesday, April 13th, 2021, and this is episode 146 of Do For A Win, the Atlantic City and Casino Biz Podcast. I'm Kyle Eskin, joined, as always, by Craig Stone. What's good, Craig? Maryland's getting sports betting. Are you so excited? I'm definitely excited. I won't have to not place my illicit bets through you. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Make suggestions for you to bet on, and then money also magically appears in your PayPal account. Yeah, how's your uh, Formula One handicapping career going? I mean, we, we talked about this last episode. I don't think we need to uh, rehash it, but not not well, not well. Well, the only thing you can do is double down and yeah, take it, more shots. It could happen. It, it sounds like that, that will be happening, but it is not finalized yet. But I'm sure that I will have more bad news to report for the next episode. <laughs> hey, all your bets are futures, so you know you always have a chance until no, no, no. the season I, is over. Well, I'm going to be betting the next... I think I'll bet on the next race. So that's what we were talking about before this. So. Should be charging a fee. I mean, I think I'm doing you some some sort of a favor here, so. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Yes. Anyway, what happened in 1946, Greg? First of all, world-famous White House sub shop opened in 1946, October 1946. It was opened by Anthony Basile. What do you think? Uh, it looks like a Basile to me. That's but... uh, Let's go with that. Uh, so, yeah, it's been there for a very, very long time. What's that, 75 years now? Yeah. We should be hearing all about White House's 75th anniversary celebration coming up. Well, I, I know that because you're an idiot, you are not a fan of White House. I think it's very good. So I think it's fine. I just don't understand the hype. But I also, as I've said a bunch of times, the no pork thing, I'm not getting the best White House there. So Yeah, the Italian is really, I think, what you need to do. I have eased off of that. Maybe I should just go get an Italian yeah. sub at some point, especially, you know, staying at Hard Rock, so... I don't want to, you know, cast dispersions on anyone because I didn't eat beef or pork for a couple of years back in the beginning of the podcast before I definitely did start eating beef and pork. But when we were at uh, the pizza place behind Tropicana. Oh, yes. Tony's Baltimore Grill. Yes. You definitely went ham, as they say, on a uh, as some sort of, I don't know, pepperoni pizza or something there. But no regrets. Yeah. I contained myself, even though I was wasted. Uh, yeah, I don't know how we were. That was uh, quite a night. I still, to this day, don't know if Tony's Baltimore Grill is actually good or not. Or oh, no, we but it was it was great sheets. when we were in that state. It, so it at least has that over Joe Rock Cafe. Yes, which was bad when you were wasted, which is the sign of an absolute terrible piece of pizza. I remember thinking the wings at Tony's Baltimore Grill were, like, amazing. And there's just no way that that's true, right? There's no way that those are absolutely top-tier wings. I just can't imagine it. By the way, it has to be said, we, we just got a very negative review of Tropicana in, we in the Facebook group. What's up with that? I mean, you're you're more in the loop than I am. Is that something that's been talked about a lot in the other group? or uh, I don't know. I, I haven't noticed, a, like, everybody just kind of complains about everything. So I haven't noticed anything specifically focused on Tropicana. 
I'll have to say, you know, well, well, we'll get to it in a second, but with you going before the next episode, you'll have to report back and let me know how it actually is, because I've heard a lot of people saying that Atlantic City as a whole is definitely not as good as it used to be since the pandemic happened. I'll hear nothing of it. I'll come <laughs> back. Yeah? I'll just have completely positive things to say, whether it goes really well or not. I hope that that's not the case. No, I, I, yeah, I'm interested to see. I mean, I know we had heard a bunch of reports that it's really dirty. Yeah, there's, there's been people scared that the teenagers yes. are taking over the town and all that kind of stuff. It, it, it sounds like a lot of people say that like the boardwalk has a lot more undesirable types on it than than what used to be. But I, I have I haven't been there. I have no idea if that's true or not true or or what. But hopefully, you will be able to let us know. Yeah, I mean, I my assumption on that is that that all just kind of magically goes away in the summer when there's way more people and way more of a yeah. police presence and whatever those boardwalk patrols are yeah, but, yeah the, the ambassadors yeah yes ambassadors thank you yes so the other thing i found the it, from 1946 another restaurant i don't think you can say it's as famous as white house sub shop it was pretty good i i, I looked it over and i thought it looked amazing yeah so we talked about a menu previously that we found with a year on it and it was from some, you know, fancy Chalfante Haddon Hall restaurant with postum and saltangs. Mm-hmm. This is not that, I will say. So w- what stood out to you about the roost in Atlantic City? First, I have to say, like, the pictures are incredible. and <laughs> So good. At the bottom of the menu, it says the cock of the walk and can't be beat, uh, which is also very good. It's a chicken... With it's a like cane. Looking like the Monopoly man. Smoking a cigar with a top hat on and a tuxedo. He looks like, yeah, he looks like the Monopoly guy. It's great. He doesn't have a monocle, but yeah, that's the only thing he's missing. Um, there's a chicken ice skating. There's a chicken who appears to be frying. Oh, yeah, no, he's getting fried. And he's there's a- another chicken slapped between two slices of bread. Yeah, and he looks mad about it. Oh, this art is amazing. If this was on a t-shirt, like, I need a The Roost t-shirt. Chicken in the basket. And then, of course, the... Uh, image on the front is some sort of chicken oh. court with a jury and the one guy has a frying pan behind his back oh, i didn't see that it's, it's so good a poor distressed chicken and the judge is saying guilty sentence to fry <laughs> and it's just amazing it's so good i have to say i would get the barbecued chicken myself dollar 25 for barbecued chicken french fries rolls and a beverage uh, to be fair, I mean, this is 1946. I think those are still the prices at uh, Bill's Yurosilaki. <laughs> <laughs> it is not nearly that. I think you were just, you know, from living in New York for so long, you have no grasp of what actual prices should be. Yeah, that's definitely true. I feel like, you know, you go to lunch and it's like $13 for a sandwich and like, you know, $3 for a drink. Oh, yes. and... Yeah, no. Even, even like Potbelly that you think is reasonably priced anywhere, you can't get out of there for less than 15 bucks. It's insane. I will say there's been a lot of inflation, I think, specifically in lunch food since when I think back to when I started working 16 years ago, you could pretty easily get like a whole meal for $5 and like pretty regularly or whatever. And now it's yeah, everywhere you go, it's like $12 if you get a food and a drink and whatever else. Yeah, it sucks. Everyone will be really happy to know that we're as on topic this episode as we were last <laughs> episode. So that's good. Always, always. Hey, we, got, we got complimented for that. I think that was a compliment from Han. <laughs> <laughs> he said it was fun. He said it was a fun episode. But I have to say the prices are, are really what stood out to me here because it's like, that wasn't really that long ago. But I mean, 75 years, it's quite a while. Uh, you know, 15 cents for a slice of pie. I'm in for it's that. Good. So the 511 Boardwalk, assuming it's the same address right outside of Ocean, much mm-hmm. like the uh, the Heinz Pier, <laughs> right? We need to bring back the roost, right? 
So the roost, must, maybe the roost was like directly outside of the Heinzbier. I would buy you a lettuce and tomato sandwich, Craig. That sounds terrible. The, the worst sounding sandwich of all time. Every once in a while, I'm like, BLT, that sounds good. And then I eat like two bites of BLT. I'm like, why did I order this? I mean, by every once in a while, I mean like 10 years ago, because, you know, we talked about the pork thing. To stay on topic, as our fans desire, I, I think BLTs can be good, but tomato is such such a hit, hit or miss addition to your sandwich. Like if they're ripe, they're very good. But half the time, especially if you go to a bad place, the tomatoes are either underripe and like crunchy and terrible or overripe, which just makes them like soggy and absolutely revolting. So yeah, complete mush. Tomato, definitely. It's makes or breaks the, the BLT. So what about this last thing? Do you want to talk about that? Oh, yeah. So uh, Atlantic City resident Bob Jones in 1946 was a man who was wearing his ridiculous 1946 or like 1916 looking bathing suit and kind of curled up in the fetal position and got put inside of a giant block of ice. And he got flown up to New York, right? Yeah, flown from Atlantic City to New York, because why wouldn't you do that? Looked like a nice DC-3 or something he was in. He, he looked uh, worse for wear by the time he got to New York, put it that way. Yeah. Did not look like he was having a good time, but it was totally ridiculous. It made no sense whatsoever, but thanks to Cat Country FM for sharing this video. Hey, Atlantic City's own Cat Country FM, uh, or South Jersey. I don't know if it's actually in Atlantic City. You have to go click it. I'll link to it because as dumb and ridiculous as the video is and sounds, the commentary is just A+. plus. I hope that guy got a raise based on this. <laughs> it was something. Look, he isn't moving. Just add ginger ale and serve. He's frozen. Get him out. Hey, careful. That's his face. Frozen puss, that is, son. Then who breathe? With what? He's a nice cube by now. Nope, there he is. Fresh as a Maine lobster. Just a little stiff in the joints. <laughs> he looked literally near death, so. Yeah, he did, he did not look great at the end of that. But I'll link to it. And if oh. I'm really ambitious, I'll splice some of the audio into the show. Yeah, I know. You've been, you've been doing that. You've been doing a good job. Thank you. Thank you. It's nice for that my effort gets uh, noticed by, by someone. Speaking of you doing a good job, you're going to be in Atlantic City before our next trip. So what are you going to do? Before our next episode? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Before our next episode. Ten days from now, I will be in Atlantic City. I don't know what the plans are other than I'm staying at Hard Rock. That's just about it. All right. Great discussion for our podcast listeners. Hey, Sandra, what do you want to do? We probably need to look into restaurants because the fancy restaurants get all booked up now because they're at 50% capacity. I don't want to be in some situation where we're like trying to figure out a restaurant. It takes two hours. I don't know that, you know, that would never happen to like you and me and my brother when we're going to look for food. It would happen to you and your brother, but <laughs> it wouldn't happen to me. I don't, that, that's what I remember from like our early Vegas trips, eight of us, and everybody's just sitting around like, oh right. no. Like, well, there's, the there's nine of us in Las Vegas and there's eight of you sitting around trying to figure out dinner. <laughs> yes. I, you were not there for any of those. That's true. You, I you was were, eating at, at Chipotle for 10 minutes yeah, and, and then going straight back, back at the tables. Yep. <laughs> the greatest the Chipotle slash Panda Express in the world slash McDonald's. So as far as I can tell, my wife's main goals for this trip are sleep in eat good breakfast and she specifically said sit outside and have a drink i think those those sound like three things that you can probably get done yeah and i so i did a lot of research because you know like once i'm given these sort of uh instructions no matter how vague i'm going to go deep <laughs> that is you deep into the rabbit hole of of what all is uh is available you, you like to pretend that you're not just going to be spending the whole trip in the bathroom <laughs> That's a good point. Oh, that would be awful. Like, first time away from the kids and just, like, not feeling good the whole time. Entirely possible. But, I mean, Atlantic City right now, there are a lot of outdoor drink options. Presumably, you know, late April, hopefully the weather holds up. 
Right now it's supposed to be, you know, high 50s, but you can't be looking at the 10-day forecast. It's meaningless. So a couple of things that I really want to check out that I haven't checked out are Bure has live music, I think both nights, although one of them's like TBD and has like an outdoor bar area. So that seems cool. View at the Claridge, highly, highly recommended by Justin Mm -hmm. S. I've never checked it out and seems like a very cool place to be if the weather is nice. You can relive our very romantic evening in the Claridge while you're there. Uh, Yes, yeah. We were not on the rooftop. Someone's very romantic evening in the room next to us. You know, there are a few other places like Balcony Bar at the Hard Rock. There's the Outdoor Lobby Bar at Ocean. I Facebook messaged Ocean to ask them if the Sky Garden Cafe would be open, which was like the temporary outdoor restaurant they set up, or if there were any plans to reopen that. And they responded like two days later saying, oh, you can go outside uh, in the Sky Garden and walk around. It's like, that's not at all what I asked, but okay. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I mentioned Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall. That's always a hit for me. I don't know if that's really my wife's jam. If she wants to drink outside, that is... A place you can do it. That's true. There's also music there Friday night, some poppy country covers, because that's what I like in my live music. Actually, is kind of what I like in my live music. And then you're going you're gonna to hate me for this. I think there's a very good chance we end up at the Fins Up Outdoor Bar at the Land Shark. You should get the food there. It's going to be wonderful for you. Yeah, not too excited about the food. But sitting outside and drinking whatever the heck Margaritaville drinks, that sounds fine. It's out on a deck out over the beach. I mean, that's pretty good. You don't sound convinced. I can tell by your silence yeah. that you're not excited. Not excited for the land shark. Beach bars are coming soon, but I don't think they'll be open yet. There's the beer garden down by Tropicana. There's the beer garden at Borgata that I don't think is open yet. But I think we'll probably be sticking closer to Hard Rock for our outdoor drinking plans. So that's that's the big thing. And then we didn't book like Council Oak. No, no longer Council Oak Fish. It's like Council Oak Steaks and Seafood or whatever. All booked up for both nights. Mm. Unless we want to eat at 4.30 or 9.30. So that will be going to Council Oak. I mean, if I if it were me, I wouldn't mind eating at 4.30. But That's true. I know you love eating your 9 p.m. dinners anyway, even at normal times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what will probably end up happening is we'll have like a big lunch right at like 1.30. And then it's like we're not hungry at 4.30. Have a big breakfast at 10 or That's something true. and then dinner at 4.30. It's not a bad idea. Big breakfast, at, yeah, 10, go somewhere, sit outside and... Get a toasted coconut donut at 1 and then dinner at 4.30. No, get to have drinks outside, get an appetizer, share it, and then have an early dinner. But I don't yeah. know, like, like is Council Oak is just like the sort of generically nice restaurant at Hard Rock? Is that really worth going out of your way for? I don't know. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't be, like, super excited about going to Council Oak Steaks and Seafood. If you're at the Hard Rock, it's hardly going out of your way, but... That's true. I mean, if we want to go out of your way... You could go get in a cab and go to Rife, which is new. That's been on my list. They've been hinting that starting this Saturday, they're going to be doing some sort of weird burlesque speakeasy kind of thing starting at 10 p.m. on Saturdays. I don't know about all that. I mean, that's been attempted so many times in Atlantic City, I feel like, with very not amazing results. But I wish them the best on that. And then other than that, like, I don't know. Like, we could go to Kuro, but I don't think Kuro really earned a second trip. So No, it did not. I feel like it's going to be a lot of playing it by ear. I do wonder with Kuro, is it, how much different of an experience would it be if we were just ordering off the menu, getting stuff that like you assume that you're going to like, <laughs> rather than getting the chef's tasting menu? I mean, it was, Kuro was totally fine. It was just overpriced for what it was, I think. Like, the food wasn't bad that we had. Yeah, I agree. It wasn't bad. It just was like, I was expecting to be blown away when you yeah, get like, no, the chef's tasting menu at a I fancy agree. restaurant. So. I mean, it was good. 
but it wasn't you know hundred dollars a head good or whatever we spent probably more than that and to lose fairmont tavern kyle clearly that's you should do it <laughs> you time. should do it there is fancy Italian at Ocean, Dolce Mare. Angela's Fairmont Tavern one night, Ducktown Tavern the next. <laughs> Do they even have food there? I don't know. I expect. I would assume so. Clearly, I should take my wife to the Irish pub and the Piccadilly. Yeah? I don't think she would like that so much. $5 dinner. Yeah. Actually, is that only for lunch? I'm I not think sure. that's only for lunch. Uh, I don't think the dinner is breaking the bank. but And then otherwise, you know, we'll probably do the outlet shopping. I know how much you love to hear about that. I'd love it. I mean, I I would like to see see some live music, so I don't know if that's going to be Tennessee Avenue Beer Hall, Villa Insane, Council Oak Lounge, Hard Rock Lobby Bar, or if we are going to get tickets to Motor City Live at Sound Waves at Hard Rock, which has two shows, 4 and 8 p.m. on Saturday, 4.24. But we'll probably just pick when we're there and see what we're in the mood no. for. Uh, all I can say is I'm very jealous. I think you'll have a great time. Hopefully you win some money, too. Yeah, I don't think there will be a whole lot of gambling, so goodbye, Hard oh, Rock. Come on, what, what are you talking about? You know Andrew's going to go to bed at 10, and then... One of the things I'm I'm really trying not to do with this trip is if Andrew goes to bed at 10... <laughs> and then you're going to just get absolutely wasted yeah. and be up until 4 in the morning, and then have a terrible trip. Just be totally hungover on Saturday, like the full day there. That's the really what I'm trying to avoid. So just understand... Be able to tell myself, you know, it's one o'clock in the morning. That's a totally reasonable time to go to bed. And you'll get way more enjoyment out of like the rest of the day tomorrow by being not miserable than if you stay up for another hour of debauchery. If you don't end up wasting some gelato, I'll be very disappointed. (laughs) For some definition of wasting. Oh, yeah. Good point. I forgot about that. Thanks. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. So. No, I don't know. I think you'll have fun. I think it'll be good. Yeah, I'm I'm excited. I'm just excited to like go lounge around, hang out on the beach. I love it. I mean, I know I've said this before on this show, but I don't think I've ever stepped foot on an Atlantic City beach yeah. <laughs> in my life. <laughs> it's crazy. You know, one thing that I could do, the low roller. I have been on the low roller many times. That's fun. Were, were you on it at night when you went? Yep, I've been on it at night and I've been on it during the day. Yeah, you should go at night. I always forget about it, though. Even I'll be, like, staring at it, and I'll be like, oh, that's a thing that I can see, but definitely can't go right on. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll come back in two weeks and actually talk about what I did, rather than all this. Oh, that you may or may not do. Yeah, come on. It's it's part of your charm. Is it? Yeah. One thing I won't probably be doing is go to Bally's and spend a bunch of time at Bally's. Why not? Because I am waiting for all the renovations that they are talking about. Let's just jump into it. David Danzis of PlayNJ.com formerly of the Press of Atlantic City, one of the most frequently mentioned people on the Do For Win podcast. Indeed. Before and now. Yeah. He interviewed the new general manager of Bally's about the renovation plans now that Bally's is owned by Bally's Corporation, which used to be Twin River Holdings, no longer Caesars. They have committed, or are saying they are committed, to a $90 million deployment of capital dollars over the next five years, $25 million of that coming this year in 2021. The first things you will probably see are hotel rooms, the lobby, and the lobby bar. Those updates are planned for this year. That's what you want, right, Craig? Yeah, I mean, the lobby def- definitely needs an upgrade. I actually liked the lobby bar there, weirdly. Like, it's kind of it was kind of odd, oddly in the middle, just sort of like slapped there, but I think once you were, like, in there sitting down, it kind of was cool. And, like, the bartenders I had were always really good. And, like, it was just kind of a fun, chill place to sit. So I don't I don't really know what they're going to do with that without, like, totally building a new bar. Because it's kind of, like, this odd 
weird sort of island in the middle of the lobby. But uh, the lobby, I agree, definitely, like, there, it's very unexciting. I feel like when you go into a casino, you want to be wowed by the lobby. And Atlantic City doesn't have a whole lot of that. Like, even Borgata is, like, kind of understated. It's, like, very, very nice. But the lobbies are, like, all very much of an afterthought. Whereas in Vegas, like, the lobbies are crazy, right? Uh, you're right. I haven't really thought about it too much. But I don't think there's any really, like, wow experiences walking into a casino in Atlantic City. Yeah, I mean, like, Tropicana has sort of a weird lobby. Like... Oh, Tropicana's lobby is awful, like, in the basement. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels it's like not it's in good. the basement. I did, I did love, I think they got rid of it, but I did love that they used to have, like... The Caesars lobby is nice. The Caesars Cuban scenes. Nice. Yes, the Caesars lobby is probably the most, like, it feels like a scaled-down model mm -hmm. of, of, like, a Vegas lobby. <laughs> I mean, anytime you can make your lobby in, like, the outdoor courtyard of the Howard Johnson, you have to do yeah, it. Yeah, you have to do it. One lobby that I weirdly thought was really classy was the old Atlantic Club slash Hilton slash AZH. That was actually a very nice lobby, too. Because every, it was, like, all marble everything, and it was it was very well done. Yeah. Oh, actually, Resorts is not bad. That's all, like, black marble, but it's just very small and, you know, mm -hmm. not much going on. But, yeah, there's not, you know, nothing's blowing you away. Like, the Golden Nugget lobby is very boring. Yeah, the, the Resorts lobby, it is very small. I don't, I don't think it's terribly great the ocean lobby is on like the 20th floor from the boardwalk so it just takes forever to get there yeah i mean the ocean lobby is by far the nicest like that is definitely a wow factor but it's also like you know <laughs> i'm not sure that that's even still in atlantic city once you're that high up harrah's the lobby is very generic yeah it's in a weird place in the casino too we got on a, on a lobby tangent there are also going to be some restaurant changes we had assumed that Guy's Chop House would be going away because Guy is very tied to Caesars. Not going anywhere. You'll still be able to get your Guy's Chop House. I actually really liked my meal at Guy's Chop House. You need to go back. That's what you should do for dinner with Andrea. That's true. I should do it. Water Dog Smokehouse will be replacing Buca de Beppo, which replaced the six Abistra. Uh, so there is one of those in Ventnor. It's like a, I think it's like a tiny little chain. They have barbecue, smoked fish, bagels sandwiches, and poke bowls, which is quite a combination of things to have. The barbecue looked good when I saw it, but weirdly, like, if you go to the website, it seems very, like, breakfast-focused, which is not what you'd think of for a smokehouse. Poke bowl sounds good. That's something that there's not that much of that I can think of in Atlantic City, and it seems like something that there should be more of. Yeah, I feel like there's got to be some random poke bowl shop in, like, the marketplace at Borg or, like, the district shops at, at ocean or something but i don't know yeah the marketplace at borg or the marketplace at tropicana downstairs yeah down yeah not not the quarter but the marketplace the other thing in trop uh the other thing that's coming the old arturo space which has long been closed and only used as event space i don't even know where that is like i don't yeah it's like way off away from from the other restaurants and stuff where is it up on that level, same level? I'm pretty sure it is, but I, somebody okay. will tell me that I'm wrong. I've been there because I was uh, Zorkfest, Travel Zork had it rented out for their like reception thing. So yeah, it's probably up there on that sixth floor. I think it is in Bally's, up the big escalator. But it was like it's sort of like tucked away, so it's not like really. Of course, it's the sixth floor because it was six. Yes, true. That will be replaced by Jerry Longo's meatballs and martinis. It's apparently Twin Rivers sort of house italian place hmm. i'll try a martini i'm always like "Ooh, i should have a martini and then i make myself a martini i'm like i don't like martinis why did i make myself a martini <laughs> so you're gonna go to lake city and have a martini <laughs> yeah probably the good thing about like martinis even manhattan's like 
I don't know if you get drunk, you can drink Manhattans pretty fast, but like I can't drink them at Martini fast at all. So that's a good like regulator, like slow you down a little bit. <laughs> Whereas like, you know, all of these fruity drinks, if you're going to, yeah. you know, the Landshark bar, if you're at the Fins Up bar at the Landshark, mm-hmm. those are all made to drink in two mm-hmm. seconds. The secret to drinking is to drink stuff that you really hate. Yeah. And that way you won't get drunk. You know, I used to, you know, oh, I'll just sip on this bourbon. Now it's like, ooh, this bourbon, oh, I'll get drunk. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have another bourbon. You can't drink just one bourbon. Uh, That's why you have to get like the dankest 12% unfiltered IPA. <laughs> one twenty minute, which I think is disgusting. It's not good. And like, I'm someone that I think has claimed in the past that 90 minute is the best beer ever, which I don't think anymore, but it's still, it's very good. But 120 is just like undrinkable or like worldwide stout. Like that's disgusting. Very snobby beer. Anyways, it's enough about that. Anything else about Bally's? Any thoughts? Are you excited? So excited for the new Bally's. You know that I've been on record saying I'm very excited for Bally's to see what becomes of it. The general manager of Bally's did say that it needs a ton of work. He said that it's a huge property. Yep. I mean, obviously he knows that it needs a ton of work. But I think that as far as like casino floor and stuff goes, a little would go a long way. Yeah. Of all the things in in Bally's that need work, the casino floor is probably like the thing that needs the least work, frankly. Yeah. I mean, Caesars did renovate it. They did like a $10 million renovation on it in the time that we've had the podcast. So in the last five years. It was just sort of like shuffling chairs and sprucing things up a little bit. And in some ways it made it more generic and drab. But I feel like it was like a part part of the way their job. And they could do a little bit to bring that out a little bit more and make it a little bit nicer. So I'm interested to see what they do with that. As much as I sort of crap on Bally's, there are things about Bally's that I feel are like, I don't know if iconic's the right word, but like the boardwalk entrance to the alleys, man, like walking by the big Bally sign. And even when you're going in up those crappy steps. Oh man, between... iconic is definitely not the word I would use for the boardwalk entrance to Bally's. But... Well, the sign, man, the sign is great. It should be iconic, but it's it is like an awful entrance. Yeah, it does feel like, like, am I allowed to go in here? Yeah. Like, yeah, it doesn't even seem like it's somewhere you should be going, right? It looks so inviting from the sign, like when you're from afar. Yeah. And so I wonder if they'll do something to spruce that up. Because one thing that I've always thought is very bad. weird, you know, we talked about the lobby part. As someone who's always a pedestrian, I'm always entering from the boardwalk side. And other than Ocean, every casino on the boardwalk side, you enter and it feels like you're taking the back door into the casino. Like you're just opening some side door like, oh, I'm in the casino. I think the worst for that is is resorts. If you go in the one entrance on the the south side, you like in these random like back shops and you have to like walk around <laughs> in the yeah. casino. Yeah, that's true. I actually I don't think the like main entrance to resorts by like Margaritaville is that bad. Eh, that's fine. You know what had a pretty good entrance to the casino from the boardwalk, I think, especially when they used to have like dancers and everything? The showboat. Yes, the showboat had an excellent entrance. You're right. It did have a very, very good entrance. And as far as the, you know, inside looking like outside and all the neon signs and everything in the the escalators. Checked all the boxes. You're right. That was by far the best. I thought you were going to say Hilton, which which was also like not terrible. No, that that wasn't. Hilton wasn't great. The old Dizzy Dolphin entrance. Oh, the Dizzy Dolphin entrance. That's true. Uh, This has been like weird nostalgia about odd things. Um, That's what our people want. Time to move on, I think, to the next. More updating of casinos, maybe. Well, not updating, but ownership Yeah, this, this should be fast. So the Illich family, famous for me and Craig because of their involvement in the documentary The Russian Five, 
bought a minority share of the ocean from Luxor Capital Group. That share can climb to 50%. Craig has linked to an article that says it's from Wayne Perry in the AP, but it's a Press of Atlantic City article, so don't know what's going on there. But It's a Wayne Perry article in the Press of Atlantic City. I, I see. It's just like they put the AP story into the Press of AC website. Sure. So... Illich owns the Little Caesars uh, brand, the Detroit Tigers, the Red Wings, which is what the Russian Five is about, uh, the Motor City Casino Hotel. Luxor is retaining the other 50% and said this deal gives them access to growth capital, just gives them some money, basically. And you say that you would like a hot and ready pizza on the casino floor. I also said they did not disclose the amount, so we, don't, we have no idea how much this is and how much capital they will have to deploy. But... Yes, I want a hot and ready pizza. I haven't had Little Caesars pizza, I think, since I was like... I was very young. Seven. There used to be one extremely close to my house, and so that was like the default pizza. That's what everybody got. Pizza, pizza. Yeah, and now it's long They had the boxes that it was like two pizzas in one box. Yeah, yeah. It was great. It was great. But I'll be very disappointed if we don't get uh, Little Caesars somewhere over there by like Pit Boss Barbecue and that kind of stuff. Or in the in the district shops and restaurants or whatever it's called, the district restaurants, that'd be great. Should be good. I want the whole casino to smell like a Little Caesars. I would absolutely eat Little Caesars if it was if it was there. So. Oh my goodness. Like you, I don't think I've had it since elementary school, certainly, because there used to be one near my house too. I, I don't think they're really around our area anymore. I know there's other parts of the country, like in the Midwest, I think there's still a lot of Little Caesars, but... I think it, the brand as a whole has like rebounded a lot, so I think it is around more. But I like how we could be talking about like what this means for Ocean. And... No, we're just talking about Little Caesars. Just wait until we talk about the draft strategy of Soviet players. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Paid off. They won a bunch of cups. <laughs> yeah, so one thing I'll say about the hot and ready pizza, because this is really the direction we've gone here. If there's going to be a Little Caesars in Ocean, it can't close at freaking 9 p.m. All right. You know when people want the hot and ready pizza? When they leave the HQ2 nightclub at 3.30 yeah. in the morning. You're totally right. You don't want to force people to go to the Joe Rock Cafe. You want to have the hot and ready pizza available for them. Hot and ready. What they should do, actually, is replace the Rocco's, I think it's called, and just make it a super upscale Little Caesars. You don't seem enthused by this. I don't think you understand the charm of Little Caesars. So in, in New York, I don't know if it's still there, but in New York City downtown, there's a Denny's that looks like a fancy New York steakhouse, <laughs> but it's a Denny's. <laughs> that sounds incredible, actually. Yeah, it sounds amazing. <laughs> so that's my idea for-, for I, I am also like the ultimate Denny's lover. So nothing delighted me as much when I moved to Laurel than the fact that they have a Denny's. I used to have a friend in middle school whose mom worked at that Denny's. And so when they had the, the 3D baseball cards, not like the sport flicks that just had the two images when you shook the card, it had like a whole scene play out. He brought me just like a whole sack of these cards and it was amazing. That's my, uh, that's my Denny's of Laurel story. So moving on, do you want to talk about the profit to Q4 in 2020? Uh, so yeah, the, the 2020 profit report was released. You have a link to the New Jersey's DGE. Yeah, I was going to link to like a journalist who actually put a bunch of effort into writing an article. And then I thought, no, no one else gets a link. We'll talk about this. I read the uh, the David Danza's article about, about it as well as looking at this beforehand. So the top line number is that profit was down 80%. Obviously, all the casinos were closed from middle of March to early July. I don't know. You, you seem to be the one that had a lot to really say about this. So why don't you jump into it? So there are a bunch of things that I found really interesting about this. So like 80%, obviously, for the full year. 
but then they had a full Q4 open. Revenue was down 25.9%, but operating profit was still down 53% for Q4. So that's like a pretty bad sign that even even open, or not a bad sign, but like shows you sort of how bad it was after reopening. But I think more interestingly was looking at the individual individual casinos and how they did not just over the whole year, but how they did in Q4 once everything was reopened. The first thing, massively surprising top two, the most profitable casino for the year of 2020 was Ocean with $21.9 million of, of profit. Second place was Tropicana with 18.8, which I feel like we've been saying, oh, Tropicana, they were such a great success story, you know, under hero of the working man, Carl Icahn, and then, you know, Caesars bought it, and it's just not really moving along as well, but uh, they're still, they were the second most profitable casino. Hard Rock came in third with $10.9 million of profit, which interestingly, you know, Hard Rock makes more revenue than Ocean, but they made half of Ocean's profit. One thing that I'll ask you about all this is like when such a small percentage of the revenue is profit, how meaningful is that difference? And is that like really worth getting hung up on? <laughs> or is this year such a freak year that it doesn't matter? <laughs> Do you want me to go into my thoughts on all this? Yeah, sure. It's a bit, it's a bit beyond this. I, I don't know how much this really matters. I haven't really dug into each, each casino's individual cheat, but there's, there's so much that can impact, you know, income statements or whatever. I think it's very hard to look at the top line numbers of these casinos. Like, you know, I think the net revenue like does say something, but the gross operating profit, I don't think it really ends up saying like a ton, a ton just because, you know, we don't know when it went into it. And especially like this year, which was a very strange year, you know, if you'd already, uh, I guess March is probably a little early to begin, like really planning on ramping up for the summer, but like depending on where you were with that. And it, it was just a weird year and like profitability, like, I just don't think it necessarily matters as much as revenue if you're going to look at one thing. Yeah, I mean, there are also a bunch of things that you can do to play with your your profitability. Profit, like right. the profit, these profitability numbers. I expect we've said this on previous episodes where we've talked about profit. Like Ocean isn't, you know, celebrating being number one and Borgata is not out there like, oh, I can't believe we were came in third to last with only $650,000 of profit on their massive $389 million of revenue, $100 million more than the second place <laughs> casino for 2020. So yeah, thank you for mentioning that because I think that's really worth keeping in mind that as much as you think like the goal of the business is profit, there are a bunch of ways that these things are fudged, especially yeah. in a year where there's all this strange stuff going on. No, I, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, Ocean had a very good year, I think, independent of everything else. Hard Rock had a very good year. But it's just hard to really look at Tropicana, like, having all that profit. Like, I don't know if that means anything, really. Yeah, so that, yeah, and that was kind of why I just, like, jumped into it, like, Trop, with their low revenue. But one thing, like, Borgata seems, you know, $650,000 profit on $389 million revenue. You'd think, like, what are they doing wrong there? But they were the most profitable casino in Q4. They made $15.9 million. So that means that they were over $15 million in the red going into Q4, right? And then completely turned around to Q4. I'm sure they were hurt the most by, you know, everything shutting down. And we've talked a lot about how they were closed for basically the whole month of July, which I'm sure didn't help. You know, they they probably expected business to come back a lot more than it actually did. So I, I don't know. I just think revenue is like a, a more interesting thing to look at if you're just looking at one thing. Like I said, maybe I'll dive into like all of the individual casino numbers like a bit more because you probably can. Once you look at the details of it, you, you can come up with interesting stories. But it's hard to do just by looking at the profit numbers, the EBITDA. 
Yeah. I mean, one thing that I found interesting about Borgata making so much in Q4, but so much less than they they made in Q4 in the entire year, and Hard Rock also made more in Q4 than than the profit they posted for the entire year. They posted $12.5 million profit in Q4, but only 9.9 for the entire year. Makes you wonder if those companies were not as aggressive with layoffs, if they weren't like totally shutting everything down in the three months that they were closed so that they were actually losing boatloads of money in the time that they were closed. Or if it's like you said, just other things that they're moving around that, that affect the profit. But what made this so interesting to me was like the closure period. And then this odd situation where places made more money in Q4 than they made in the entire year because of that closure period, presumably. So that, I thought that was interesting. There are only two losers, despite everything being closed the entire time. There are only two overall losers for the year, like no profit in in, in the red. Resorts was actually the biggest at a $10.6 million loss. But Resorts Digital, which includes the FanDuel Sportsbook, is separate and listed as an other licensee. And that made more than $21 million in profit. And the other thing to remember is a lot of these casinos don't have their digital arms listed separately. So that's something else that goes into those profit numbers. Yeah. So like Golden Nugget does. Um, mm-hmm. So they only made seven and a quarter million dollars profit despite less revenue than resorts or Bally's. Bally's was the other loser. They lost $10.1 million between their two owners. And more than 60% of that was in Q4 after everything opened up. So that's kind of interesting. Um, although, you know, how much of that is ownership change? We don't know. But Golden Nugget made $7.25 million profit despite having, I think, the least revenue, certainly less revenue than Resorts or Bally's. But that revenue also doesn't include Golden Nugget Online Gaming, which made another $18.7 million. So I don't know. Like, do you just tip your cap to Golden Nugget that they've, like, figured something out? Because we've been crapping on them and they're, like, paltry brick-and-mortar revenue. And here they are posting, like, actually really good profit numbers for the year. Because that number that number's higher than Ocean, if you combine the two. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Well, let's see what happens in 2021. Or, you know, it, it's just hard to, to look at that and really come to many conclusions. Uh, any other thoughts or concerns or, or anything else? No, I think that pretty much covers it. If you want to reach out to us or any of our other listeners, you can do so at facebook.com slash group slash do for a win. Find all of our great content on doforwin.com and buy a shirt. Send Craig a question on Twitter at do for a win or me at Kyle Askin and send Craig some questions via email to do for a win at gmail.com. Any last words, Craig? Anything else that you want to talk about before we jump into Boardwalk Empire? It's stressing me out that I don't have concrete plans for my Atlantic City trip. It will shock you to know that I'm stressed about a trip. I can't believe it. <laughs> I'm sure that that stress will just grow and grow until next, uh, what, Friday when you go down? Yeah, Friday. But I'm excited to be there. It'll be great. (laughs) I need to just chill think all I'm going to do is sit outside and drink, and it's going to be great. All right. So Boardwalk Empire, Season 3, Episode 3. Just to give you the 30-second overview of what happened, Nucky more or less seems to be having a nervous breakdown because he couldn't reach his lover in new york city or whatever and he tried to make amends with jip rossetti which seemed like it was going well until jip rossetti had uh, some sort of other mental breakdown and uh caught the faber heights policeman on fire (laughs) yeah i don't think a whole lot else happened really in the episode there are a bunch of like side plots. Meyer and Lucky Luciano are doing the heroin thing, and they've got some issues. Margaret's trying to get the women's clinic built, and she like sort of got the guy a meeting with the bishop to force it through. Yeah, sort of uses some trickery to get that forced through. There was a brief moment where it looked like Van Alden, aka Mueller, would be caught, but 
he bribed a guy with five whole dollars to get out of it. But it seems like everything's just setting up with the Jip Rossetti Nucky thing and then Nucky's weird nervous breakdown about shooting Jimmy. This wasn't my favorite episode. It was kind of all over the place. I guess I don't see the point or like what they're trying to do with all the stuff going on with Nucky. Maybe it'll make sense later, but it just seems random. Like it's not what I would expect from that character. Like between his Jimmy stuff and his stuff with uh, what's her name in New York. Yeah, I mean, one of my ongoing complaints about the show is that like the character development seems very weird. People will be very one note. And then they'll just do, like, an entire episode to give them some sort of backstory. Like, that's kind of what happened with Jimmy. And, like, um, you know, Jip Rossetti right now seems super, super one-dimensional in a way that's almost like a caricature of an Italian-American stereotype. (laughs) And so I actually find that disappointing in the way that it's handled in the show. I mean, I mentioned it with the finale. Like, same thing with Margaret. I thought that her character took a weird turn. But... Yeah, I mean, this Nucky thing where he, like, needs this woman and he can't get to this woman, and, like, that's actually why he didn't meet Jip Rossetti, and now Jip Rossetti's super offended and that kind of stuff. Like, it just seems so odd and out of character for him. Yeah, it, do- it doesn't make sense. I guess they're trying to give him some, like, emotional depth. This is three episodes into the season, I just feel like not a whole lot has happened, other than we've got a lot of Jip Rossetti, who I just think is awful. Like, I wrote in all caps in my notes that Jip's character is awful and the writing for his character is awful. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best like when he's getting all pissed off in the car at the end of the episode i just had my head in my hands like this is so stupid that's right and the thing that finally pushed him over the edge is when the police officer wished him good luck yeah right like you wish me good who are you to wish me good luck uh, oh my it's, god it's awful i i didn't think it was good i don't think it was, I, I didn't enjoy that episode so hopefully it, it turns around quickly Yeah, I mean, one thought I had in the episode was, like, I didn't love Jimmy as a character, but, man, I missed Jimmy through three episodes of the season. Because he just, they, like, he he brought, he was, like, the focus of the show. He tied things together. it feels like there's no focus of the show right now. So I I hope, like, they, like, pick it up. Um, The one redeeming factor, though. Harrow! It was good. It was good seeing Harrow dragging Mickey Mickey around. I really thought Harrow might finally end uh, Mickey's run on the show, but he didn't. Uh, Mickey's just not going to die. I think they've hinted at that. Like he's just making it to the end of the series. So what? What really pushed Harrow like over the edge there? Like he was outraged that Doyle said he killed Manny because Harrow did it. Like I, I don't fully understand. I think he wanted to send the message to Nucky that like I'm a badass here, and I don't know where that's going to go. But yeah, just really interesting from that standpoint. I don't know where his character goes from here, but I do think it's interesting that they're making him out into this like crazy badass. And that he says that he killed 63 people and, and that whole... I thought that was the most interesting scene in the episode by far, I thought. It was funny that Jip Rossetti has the hots for Jimmy's mom. I don't know. Yeah, no. <laughs> that was good. I don't know what was going on with all the poetry in the burlesque house, but, you know. Neither did Jip. No, he was not into that. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah, I think that's it. We've already talked about this episode so much more than it deserves. That's... Yeah, it wasn't 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 the best. But. So the next episode is the halfway point of the series. Oh, it's only oh the halfway point of the series. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I was so going to say it's only an eight episode season? Question mark. But the last season is only eight episodes. Every other season of twelve. Well, thank you guys very much for listening as always, and hopefully we'll have some interesting trip reports of Craig getting totally wild at the casinos, yeah. being up till four, eating toasted coconut donuts. That did happen on a trip with Andrea. I'd probably have to go out to resorts to get a donut, to get toasted coconut donut. Yeah. Well, you're being hard rack. You could just walk across the walkway. 
Oh, that's true. I, well, the walkway is closed during the pandemic. I don't know if it's reopened yet. Oh. I don't know why. Like the Why would they a- close the, pan- the walkway? That's ridiculous. It's probably it's probably because, like, surface cleaning, it's, like, one less thing to clean. But now it's like, come on. We've, we know now that you don't need to actually clean the surfaces. Like, just, it's fine. Been in that walkway. No one cleaned it anyway beforehand. I think the baking hot afternoon sun disinfected yeah. everything in that. <laughs> That both Hard Rock and Resorts are like, that's not my responsibility. I'm not cleaning that. Yeah, absolutely. It is always 150 degrees in there, too. It was. It was like walking through a greenhouse. All right. Well, thank you guys, as always, and, and we'll talk to you in a couple weeks. It would have been nice if I, you know, let you talk for like eight seconds in the entire show, but that's eh, not my way. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we meandered more than usual and it was maybe less interesting than usual too, but we'll see.